Well, thank you for being here today. The title of today's teaching is called The Greatest Gift Ever. And the greatest gift is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the most precious gift that we'll ever receive from God. And we've joined here today to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And this celebration is for believers. As we read through the Christmas story, the account of Jesus' birth, we'll have songs in between the scriptures. And I encourage you to let your praise just rise up, erupt, blow the lid off of this place as we worship and praise our Lord for who he is. He's our God. And we celebrate God's gift of his son to us. And the scriptures today will be up on the screen. I'm going to start out in uh, Galatians, but we're going to be the main verses, Isaiah 7, 14. And maybe that you're here today because someone invited you, and we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for visiting us today. But I ask you to have an open heart because you will have a chance to receive God's greatest gift and celebrate with the rest of us at the end of the service. For most of us, there are limits to what we can give and spend on Christmas gifts, right? And that's a good thing. Do you remember the first gift that you ever got? I remember mine, or I have a memory of that. My earliest memory of that receiving a gift goes back to when I lived in Ohio. And what it was was socks. Isn't that a great gift? It was a great Did everybody else get some socks? Do you guys get socks at Christmas? It's a great, practical, right? It's practical. It's a great gift. Not as much as toys, but it was a practical gift. But Christmas can be a wonderful time of giving and receiving. But the best gifts or the greatest gifts are the ones that meet the needs of the person receiving them. The person that receives them, when they meet their needs, that's the greatest gift. So I looked around and I thought, well, let me see what would be the greatest gift that someone would need. So I thought about my wife. What would be the greatest gift? And this isn't really for her, but it was a good gift. I want to show you a picture of this. This is what it was. Mob socks. Right? But those are, that's a practical gift as well. Because you get to walk around and you get to mop the house all at the same time, right? That's good stuff. And I didn't get her one of those, okay, by the way. Just to let you know. Didn't, I didn't get her one. I also try not to get anything that plugs in because I was told that's not a good gift either. So, but here. But I just want you to know God is so gracious in his giving to us. Remember, the greatest gifts are the ones that meet our needs. And what is our greatest need? Our greatest need is for forgiveness, each and every one of us. And God's gift to us of Jesus Christ meets that need. God is the greatest of givers, and he's given gifts to all of us. But here's the thing. When we receive a gift, we must receive that gift. When someone gives us a gift, we must receive it. And God gave his son to be savior of the world. And why was it necessary for God to send his son into the world? And what does it reveal about God's heart to each and every one of us? So if we go back to the garden before sin, we discover that we were created to do life with God. God's heart for us was to continue to experience the reality of God with us. He loves us and that each and every one of us have value to him. 
And he wants to spend all of eternity with each and every one of us. But if we look back in chapter 3 of Genesis, we see that our relationship was broken. And it was broken because of a sin choice. It wasn't about the fruit on the tree. It was about the pear on the ground. It was about the choices that Adam and Eve made and that we all have a choice to make in our lives. And we have a choice that we can receive a gift or not. And as a result of their choice, this sin that they had, the perfect peace and fellowship with God was broken. Remember, God walked and talked with them in the garden, and then they were forced out of the garden. And that's the world that we were born into. Even though we are not born into a healthy relationship with God, it's God's heart. His desire has never changed. He always planned to restore us back to the state of God with us. And Jesus fulfills that prophecy. In Galatians 4.4, it says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption and sonship. We have to receive that. And that's what we're celebrating here this morning. Sin initiated our break in our relationship with God, but God would initiate the restoration of that relationship with us. The gift of Jesus Christ and our salvation. But we must receive that gift. Each and every one of us individually have to make that choice to receive it so we can benefit from the relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, 700 years before Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah explained how God would bring about this Savior. The greatest gift foretold. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. Mary was a virgin who conceived. How was that possible? That's what Mary's thinking as well. And she had this question for the angel, and he told her that you would be the fulfillment of this prophecy. Remember, the angel, Mary, the angel had come to Elizabeth, and she had conceived. When she was six months pregnant, the angel said this to Mary about that. No word of God will ever fail. And for us today, that's God's promise. His word will never fail us. And now this child will be conceived of the Holy Spirit straight from God. And Mary would give birth to Emmanuel. And Emmanuel in the Hebrew means God with us. And Jesus' birth fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy to show that God was with his people. His heart has always been to be with his people. And Jesus would be fully man because he would be born of a woman, but he would also be fully God. Jesus' mission would to be make restoration for God and his people possible. That God loves us so much and he values a relationship with each and every one of us. As we consider the heart of God, that he would send his son to this earth on a rescue mission for each and every one of us. To make that a reality for us. You know, there are many promises foretold by God 
in what would happen in the Old Testament hundreds of years prior to their fulfillment. And here are two of these. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatest of his government and peace, there will be no end. Amen? He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forward. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this is a most famous verse. It's a famous verse that modern Christmas, Christmas, Christians use at Christmas. They tend to think of this as a Christmas passage. And this, this verse describes how God will accomplish all of this through his prophecies. For us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. It's a gift from God. And Isaiah leaves no room for question here that this deliverer will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And this describes the wisdom that God has, that he helps us make the best decisions in every scenario. And he gives us his unfailing counsel and love always. And his God, the government will be on his shoulders. Aren't you glad of that? The government rests on his shoulders. I know I am. In addition, this king will be called both everlasting father from one generation after another and then to all generations of his people for eternity because he is the prince of peace. Isaiah clearly means to communicate that this deliverer of Israel and the world will be divine. The child that will be born will be the Messiah, and he will be ultimately revealed to be Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is actually God himself. The birth of Jesus, the gift of the hope of salvation for all people. Now this next scripture, the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, tells the location of his birth. In Micah 5.2 it says this, But you, Bethlehem, prophet, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. God's people anticipated the fulfillment of these prophecies about God sending the Messiah, but they were clueless on how he would accomplish it. But today, each and every one of us, we have the luxury of reading God's word knowing how he would accomplish this, how he would make his plan of God with us a reality. So let's move on. Luke 1, verse 30, it says this. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be the great, and we will call him the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign on Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. Amen? If you can, put yourself in this story. 
I hope you can see some of the challenges that Mary has because each one of us has challenges each and every day in our lives, don't we? We all have challenges that we have to overcome. But if God is with us, who can be against us? Because nothing is impossible for God. And this was a culture of shame and honor. And the angel is reassuring Mary, and he addresses her natural fear that anyone would have when they were confronted with this message. And he eases her anxiety and stress about what God expects of her. He says, do not be afraid. Her role is incredibly important. Being chosen in God's plan is a great honor and a blessing. And Mary is highly favored indeed, and we're part of God's plan each and every one of us. But these other people, they were clueless to the truth. But Mary, she knew what was going on, and she didn't do anything. And this would be a serious challenge to overcome. But if it was of God, remember what the angel said, no word of God will ever fail. But what about Joseph? Look at how God deals with Joseph in Matthew one twenty. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is holy from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, God was on the move. He was working behind the scenes, just like he does in each one of our lives. Even when we don't think God is working, we can't see that he's working. He's working in our lives for each and every one of us. In Romans 8.28, it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This angel tells Joseph, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. And the angel reveals to Joseph what's really going on. This baby will be conceived of the Holy Spirit miraculously. God was working, revealing to Joseph his plan to bring our promised Savior, the Messiah, into the world. And Mary and Joseph, they knew the prophecies, though, about the child being born in Bethlehem. But they lived in Nazareth. It was unclear how God would fulfill this. But once again, no word of God will ever fail. In Luke 2, verse 1, it says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Crinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. God was on the move. He was working. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. A census was to be taken. God was on the move. He was working. Can you imagine when Mary and Joseph heard the news that Joseph was legally required to go back to Bethlehem? 
You know what, what they must have been thinking. I mean, Mary, here she is. She's pregnant, and she's like, look, I'm pregnant, and I asked Uncle Google, it's about 34 hours for me to get to this place, and you want me to travel this way? But knowing that the angel had spoke to her and knowing the prophecies that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, I bet that their hope and their faith was about to explode as they personally experienced the hand and the sovereignty of God. He was on the move. And now we'll see the greatest gift as it arrives, the birth of Jesus. In Luke 2, 6, it says this, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The excitement of what was happening was mixed with genuine struggle, genuine doubt. Have you ever doubted when God was working in your life? Asking, how are you going to do this, Lord? What's happening? Have you ever felt that doubt and that anxiety? Like, seriously, God, this is your plan? This is how they must have been feeling. Really, God, you're going to do this? The Messiah is going to come into the world in this humiliating way? And Mary and Joseph were young and cold, and I know they felt alone. But here's the thing. God was with them. He was with them. Imagine this scene as Jesus, the greatest gift, arrives, the birth of Jesus, as he was born to set us free from the slavery of sin. The greatest gift ever, Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Though it was a temporary silence, the manger scene was about to get pretty lively because little did they know that the angels were, were revealing the news to the shepherds outside. In Luke 2, verse 8, it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. And this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Imagine the joy of these shepherds that they had in their hearts. Because these shepherds were considered to be unclean in their society. And they would have been not allowed to go to the temple to worship God. But God had given them a personal invitation by the way of these angels to come and witness and worship the Savior. So the angels, they appeared to the lowest members of society. And why would that be? And why was that? Because Jesus was the gift to all, to everyone. All who received God's gift of Jesus Christ by this personal invitation by the way of the angels. 
As we move on, Luke 2, verse 15, it says this, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they were told. Jesus was God's gift to all who would believe and receive by faith. The shepherds believed. And many of us here today have peace with God because we've believed and received in Jesus Christ. The shepherds not only went to see, but they also couldn't wait to tell the world what they had witnessed. What an honor for them and for us to tell people about Jesus Christ. Remember, the whole purpose of Jesus' coming was revealing God's heart towards us, that he loves us and that he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. You know, John 3.16 is probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. We see it everywhere, right? We see it at football games. We see it all over the place. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's what love is. It's not that we've loved God first, but it's that he loved us first and that he sent his son to be our means by which our sins are forgiven. God's heart is to be with us for all of eternity. God loves each and every one of us and he values us. We all have value in God's eyes. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is our most precious gift and Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the greatest gift ever, and it came from God. The greatest gift that you can give anyone is not your treasures, but your love. Accepting another person's gift is allowing him or her to express their love and their feelings toward you that you mean something to them, they value you. Always give without remembering and always receive without forgetting. The gift of salvation, the rescue mission of Jesus, was to save his people, all people, from our sins. And if you're in Christ today, aren't you thankful that you're forgiven? Yes. And we are thankful that we have a relationship with God today. Thank you, Jesus. In the book of Revelations, the last book of the Bible, we see the completion of God's heart towards us. In Revelation 21, verse 3, it says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. Today we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we also celebrate the hope, the future hope that we have to be fully restored into a perfect relationship with our God. When the old things, the result of sin is completely done away with in our lives. And I hope God's heart is clear for each and every one of us today that he loves us and he wants to be with us. But please listen to this. It's possible that people can celebrate an event. It's like coming to church on Christmas Eve and celebrating the birth of Christ. But we're not actually celebrating the actual gift. And that gift is God with us. Receiving Jesus Christ into our hearts, doing life with him, enjoying him, and having a relationship with him always. And we celebrate his birth because of the significance of what Christ's coming means, that we get to do life with God. And if that's not a reality for us, then we fall short of God's intended purpose for each and every one of us. The greatest gift that we could ever get, the greatest gift for all humanity, has been the gift of Jesus Christ. God gave his son to the whole world, but not everyone will benefit from this gift. And the reason is because not everyone has received this gift. The greatest gift ever must be received. In Ephesians 2.8, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If we don't receive God's gift and come to Jesus by faith, Remember, it's not about an event or religion. It's about a relationship because we all need Jesus, each and every one of us. And if we don't have this, we'll miss out on the greatest gift ever, God with us. And though that may be a person's choice, it's never been God's heart or desire for us. We can only celebrate and experience the joy of this gift if we receive it. The shepherds went to see this amazing thing that God had done. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, and he rose from the grave. And he did that for everyone who received his gift. We get to experience the joy of the Lord and the promise of eternal life, God with us. Jesus is the greatest gift ever. And I want to give you an opportunity today 
if you've never received that gift, I want to give you an opportunity today to receive that gift. If you'll just bow your heads right now. You know, the shepherds went out and they told the world about the greatest gift ever, Jesus. But it's an individual's choice on how they would respond. How do you respond to that gift? Do you want to receive God's gift or not? Have you received Jesus today? Will you receive the gift of Jesus Christ today? The gift of Jesus was given to the world, but we must receive him. We all have to make an individual choice for ourselves to benefit from this gift. And if you would like to receive that gift today, with your heads bowed, nobody look, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and receive that gift. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. This is between you and God. I'll give you a few more moments. Or maybe you've just backslidden and you just come to church on Christmas or you come on Easter and you don't have that. Yes, thank you. You don't have that relationship with God. You haven't put Jesus first in your life. I can tell you that he puts you first. He values you more than you value yourself. And here's the thing. If you don't want to receive that gift, you don't have to do anything. Just sit there. But if you do want to receive it, just pray this prayer with me right now. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died for my sins. And I repent and want to turn away from them. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. This Christmas, I want to receive the greatest gift ever of Jesus Christ in my life. I want you in my heart. And I want to spend eternity in heaven with you knowing that you're with me each and every day, all day, to the very end of time. Thank you for your gift of Jesus in my life. Amen.